Hi there, this is Darren Spoo, pastor at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. We would invite you to join us in person Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 o'clock in downtown Tulsa, or check out our webpage at tulsafbc.org. God bless you, and have a great week. Okay, so it was 1969, and the Beatles were on the verge of the breakup. Paul McCartney had tried to hold the group together for as long as he could, but with all of their skepticism around fame, a lot of substance abuse, personality conflicts, the Beatles were about to fracture for good. And in the middle of all of this stress and all of this challenge, Paul McCartney, while he was sleeping one night, had a dream in which his mother appeared to him in this dream. Now, I'm not, I'm not into the dead appearing to people, but he had a dream about his mother who had already passed away, and she just gave him the very simple message, just, just let it be. Sometimes you have to let go of things even when it is most difficult. And by the way, we'll talk about this a little bit this morning, but just think about the wisdom of that idea that what causes us a lot of stress in life is not what's happening or even what might result. What causes us a lot of anxiety is our desire to control. And if you haven't learned this yet, you can't control much of anything. And so a way of having grace on yourself and a way of trusting God is sometimes just to let things go and to let things be. So this song is really considered to be the Beatles' penultimate single. And it is rife with scriptural imagery. I don't even know what the word rife means, but it just sounds good to say that. It's rife with scriptural imagery about um, in times of trouble, that's Psalm 10. Brokenhearted people, that's Luke 4. Light and darkness, that's John chapter 1. And even Paul McCartney was aware of the quasi-spiritual nature of this song because What his mom said to him in that dream was very much what Mary said to the angel in Luke chapter 1, sometimes you just need to let it be. Thank you. 
the sound of music, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. What if I don't preach today and we just do back-to-back Beatles songs? Would that be all right? You're supposed to say no. No. Guess I just need to let it be, right? So I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Luke chapter 1. That's going to be our text for the day. And we're going to do a little bit of a slow walk up to these words of, of Mary as she pretty much lets go of the control of her life and then to see the, the impact and the influence of that. So this is Luke chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 26 and just read this first paragraph. And notice we're going to be given a when, we're going to be given a where, we're going to be given a who, and then we're going to be given the big umbrella of who, the all caps who, as to who is overseeing all of these events. So this is Luke 1, 26. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and if you don't know who that is, we'll come to it here in just a moment. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man by the name of Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greeting you who is highly favored, the Lord is with you. I've been thinking about singing Christmas songs all week long for some reason. It's just we typically talk about this time at Christmas, but let's not limit it to that. So we're given the when that this happens. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And it doesn't take long to read, but if you go back and read the first part of Luke chapter 1, Elizabeth and Zechariah are a couple in their old age who have been praying all of their lives that they will have a child, and it not, had not been answered until at this moment. So, for those of you who have been praying for something a long time, listen. You may pray for something. You may start praying for something early in life that will not be answered until the end of your life. Keep on praying. And so Elizabeth and Zechariah, they would have a child who would become John the Baptist. So she was already six months along when this angel appears to another woman, and we know her name is Mary here in just a moment. And, and here's the thing about Mary, and we'll talk about this in just a moment. You'll say, well, was Mary really ready for this? No, she was not. Who could possibly be ready for what was about to happen? So I say this, that if God is introducing a situation or a circumstance in your life and you say, well, I'm not ready for this, you're probably right. Now, that's not meant to be discouraging. I want you to hear another side of this. And this is a really bad and selfish illustration. 
But I came here to pastor this church when I was 29 years old. The older I get, the crazier that sounds. Okay. And was I ready to pastor this church at 29? No. But I was ready to begin to learn how to pastor this church at 29 years old. And I'm still learning and still growing to this day. So just know that being prepared is not that you have it all together. Being prepared is you're prepared to begin the journey. And so the when. Here comes the angel sent by God. Gabriel was the angel's name, and he was sent to Nazareth. Just for a moment, how many of you were born in a small town? See your hands. Okay, where not much happens, right? We could easily read this to say Gabriel went to the town in Oklahoma called Catusa. That might just translate well. Nazareth was typically not a place that you went to unless you were heading somewhere else. It was just out of the way. It was inconspicuous, but I want you to hear this. And again, we'll talk about this more at the end. Unapplauded years does not equate to unproductive years. Sometimes you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. When is God going to use me? Listen, God knows exactly where you are. But the unapplauded years, when no one else knows you're there, are not unproductive years. God knows where you are. He knows where to find you. He knows when you're ready. Until then, you wait and you trust. So the angel went to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, Catholics sometimes venerate Mary a little bit too much. But I think Protestants are guilty of not appreciating Mary as much as we should. Because listen, she really is a template, a model for being a disciple of Jesus Christ. She was the first one literally to willingly invite Jesus into her life. And let me say a note here about women, because I do think we live in a culture that sometimes underestimates or degrades the value of women. Christians should not feel this way because divinity took residence in her body. Women, if you think that you're not worth much, you really need to look, a good long look at Mary, that she invited divinity to inhabit her physical frame. And we see the value of one person, that God can use anyone he chooses in any way he pleases. And so ultimately, the big who over this is not Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Listen, don't walk past these words. This is very important. If God is present, nothing is too difficult. But if God is absent, everything will be hard. If you know God is with you, nothing is too difficult. But if you are walking away from God, if you've pushed God out of your life, everything will seem to be hard. Could I encourage you, as you get older, get smaller? Doesn't sound like the thing we normally say about, you know, you need to be big, you need to be bold, all of that. Let me encourage you, the older you get, get smaller. G.K. Chesterton tells the story of a young boy. He was given one wish, and he could either wish to be incredibly large or incredibly small. 
And so like most little boys did, he wanted to be really big and he became a giant. He could stride across the continent in just a few steps. He could do a lap and be on the other side of the Pacific Ocean. He could take the Himalayas and push down Mount Everest and treat it like a sandbox. He was large, but he was lonely because there was no one on his scale to play with. But Chesterton said if he had wished to be small, then his backyard would have become like the Amazon forest. Every little puddle would be like Lake Superior. Every little drop of water would be a lake. And he would have endless adventures because he chose to become small. Let me encourage you, as the world gets bigger, just become smaller. It's an adventure. And bigger than the world, let God become bigger as you get smaller. And realize wherever you go, the Lord is with you. So now we're not quite to the words of Mary yet, but let it be words. We'll get there. Just, just hang on now. Just hang on to me for just a moment. Verse 29. It's meant to be funny. I guess I won't be funny anymore. Maybe I wasn't funny to begin with. Verse 29. Mary, Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. By the way, I always stop when we come to a, a verse like that. The most common command in the Bible is do not be afraid. 365 times it shows up. One for every day of the year. Do not be afraid. I appreciate what Wilma Mankiller said. She said there's a difference between a cow and a buffalo. A cow, when a storm is coming, will run away from the storm. A buffalo will charge into the storm, thereby getting through it quicker. And you want to talk about a storm that's about to break over Mary's life. So much is going to be thrown at her. But the angel says, do not be afraid. Let's charge in this together. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Don't confuse confusion with doubt. Don't confuse confusion with doubt. You can take an entire cubic mile of fog. You know how much water that represents? That represents one gallon of water. You can condense one cubic mile of fog and it will fit into a one gallon milk jug. Sometimes it doesn't take much for us to be confused. Sometimes it doesn't take much for the world to become foggy and we have questions. Listen, ask God all the questions you want, but remember there's a difference between being confused and being a person of doubt, right? In fact, I think confusion is an opportunity for us. Confusion is the opportunity to trust God when we don't understand. And I've often said this before. Next time you're confused, don't pray to understand. You probably don't want to. It'd probably be more than what you can handle. Don't pray that you'll understand. Pray that you will trust. Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the one to be born to you will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, 
And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word of the Lord will ever fail. Somebody needs to answer their phone. I wonder how many of you, when you grew up, you remember, seriously, somebody answer your phone. (laughs) I wonder how many of you remember growing up and your mom or dad standing in the pool and say, jump. And so what did you do? You jumped because you trusted that they would catch you. I also wonder how many of you remember, as I do, watching the little comic strips, when Lucy said to Charlie Brown, kick, (laughs) and he did every time. And what happened? He landed flat on his back, right? There's a difference between those two commands of jump and kick, and it's not necessarily the command, it's who it's from. You knew when your dad said jump, he would catch you. We know that every time Lucy says kick, we want to tell Charlie Brown not to do it because her voice could never be trusted. In fact, I meant to look it up this morning. Somebody confirmed after the first service, Charlie Brown never did kick that football, did he? Never to the very end. I promise you, God's voice can always be trusted. No word of the Lord has ever failed. It might not be exactly what you think he'll do or when he'll do it, but God's voice can always be trusted. It's one thing for it to be written here. It's another thing entirely for it to be written here. And the big decision a lot of us need to make is when God says jump or kick, is he a voice I can trust or not? I believe he's trustworthy, but I believe you need to decide that for yourself. And then here's Mary's words. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. So I'm going to ask you to be really mature here for just a few moments. When a mother is breastfeeding her baby, she releases milk that's called oligosaccharides. Now, the child can't even absorb all the nutrients in the mother's milk, but it begins to build up Um, bacteria in the child's system that lines the gut, that builds immunity. Uh, In fact, Bill Bryson writes about this in his book called The Body. If you love a lot of scientific and speculative things about the human body, it's a fantastic book to read. But that's only half of it, that the mother's milk nourishes the child and feeds, gives all the bacteria that that child will need in its gut. But it's even more amazing than that. As the child breastfeeds, some of the saliva is reabsorbed by the mother's breast ducts, and her body breaks it down and analyzes what the child needs, and it tweaks the formula to the mother's milk. Bill Bryson puts it this way, isn't life beautiful? Yes, it is. And isn't God beautiful? And I think Mother Mary has some things to teach us here. She has some things to give us that will nourish us if we will let her. Now, get this. I believe that a lot of who Mary is that we see in this passage, she passed on to Jesus. We'll say, well, Jesus was the Son of God. Yes, but doesn't the Scripture say that he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and people? I think Jesus picked a lot of his wisdom up from Joseph, and there's no reason to believe that Jesus didn't pick a lot of his wisdom up from Mary. And if he was nourished by what we see here in Mary's character, don't you think we ought to be as well? So I'm sure we could all come up with a very long list of all the things that Mary taught Jesus, 
In good Baptist pastor fashion, I narrowed it down to three things, and they all start with S. You ready? Here we go. Sometimes I hate being typical, but sometimes you just choose to be typical. Mary taught Jesus secrecy. We're only given a handful of events from Mary's life, and and each one of them points to being a great disciple of Jesus, but up to this point in life, she lived life pretty much in secrecy. She would live the next few of her life, years of her life on the run from the government, and she would end her life in obscurity. We think she ended up in Ephesus where she spent the last years of her life, but so much of Mary's life was lived in secrecy. Remember what I said a minute ago, unapplauded years are not unproductive years. And I think Jesus needed this lesson because of his 33 years on the planet, he lived 30 in secrecy. And I believe that sometimes the more God wants to use you, the longer will be that season of preparation, which means we need to wait, we need to be still, we need to be trust, we need to trust God. If Jesus needed that lesson, so do we. You may feel like you are being underutilized right now. Wait. Wait on the Lord. Be still. He knows exactly where you are. Second thing that Jesus absorbed from Mary that I think that we need, not only secrecy, but it's the art of service. So you can go on and look in the next passage. Mary got ready and hurried down to the hill country of Judea, and she went into Zachariah's house and visited Elizabeth. So I'll take a running start at this. So many of us, when we have a lot of things going on in our life, we go, boy, I really want to serve, but I see this need over here, but I've got a lot on my plate right now. So let me take care of that stuff first, and then if that need is still out there, I'll serve. That would have been very easy for Mary to do, but she didn't. In fact, because there was a lot on her plate, she took this as an opportunity to serve her older relative, Elizabeth, through, and this is the technical word, a geriatric pregnancy. Isn't that a great phrase? Yeah. She was going to have a troubled pregnancy, and Mary was there. I can't help but think that Jesus picked up on that as well. I mean, Jesus was teaching his disciples, here comes somebody through the roof. What do you do? You serve. You heal them and forgive them. Jesus is walking down the street. Somebody is yelling, son of David, have mercy on me. What do you, you keep going? No, you stop. You call him. He's walking to go heal a girl that's on the verge of death, and a woman touches the corner of his cloak. What do you keep doing? Do you plow on? No, you stop, and you serve. All that to say, if you feel overwhelmed right now, the thing you may need to do is not straighten your life out. You may need to serve. In fact, Carl Menninger put it like this, the famed psychiatrist. He was asked once, if a person was on the verge of a mental breakdown, what would you recommend? They expected him to say, go to a psychiatrist. He said this, close your front door, lock it, go across the tracks, and help out somebody in need. It is amazing how serving restores our sanity. Mary taught that to Jesus. And I believe Jesus teaches that to us. Let's do that. Secrecy, service, surrender. So I look at this prayer from Mary. Here's a big prayer. Let it be. God, I, I let you control these things. 
And I believe that Jesus would take a very similar tack in his relationship with God. By the way, I would contend that the very same prayer was prayed right before he came into the world here in Luke 1 and right before he left the world in Luke 22 when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he pretty much prays the let it be prayer. Not my will, but yours be done. Who do you think he learned that from? I think he learned it from Mary. I don't think this was a one and done. I think she prayed this her whole life. I was shocked this week to discover that Newton Menno died. Aren't you shocked as well? None of you know who Newton Menno is, do you? Raise your hand if you know who Newton Menno is. Oh, we've got two, we've got two people. Very good. Okay. Y'all don't have to tithe today. Your tithe is removed. You're, you're good to go. The rest of you, double down. No. So Newton Menno, in 1961, he was appointed as chairman of the Federal Communications Commission under President Kennedy. And as he went into office, he said these words. He said, TV is a vast wasteland, right? That was his statement. In fact, that followed him the rest of his life and the rest of his career. So believe it or not, you have heard of Newton Menno before. How many of you grew up watching Gilligan's Island? Raise your hand. Do you remember the name of the boat that sank, that sprung a leak? The SS Minnow. It was a shot at Newton Minnow, but somehow I think if you want to prove that TV is not a vast wasteland, I don't know that Gilligan's Island is the best case in point. I mean, they, they literally took a shot at him. Later in his life, Newton Minnow would say this, when TV is good, nothing is better. But when TV is bad, nothing is worse. You know what? He said the same things on both ends of his career. Here, he just said it with greater maturity and tact. Mary has this incredible maturity to see beyond the crisis, to see beyond her circumstance, and to see what it means to live in obedience to God right now. She has maturity beyond her age, and we should listen. So here's where I'm going to make this very applicable for all of us, okay? And if you're taking notes or if you're not taking notes, this is the part you probably want to write down. And if you've been around here long enough, you've heard me say this before, but this bears repeating and repeating and repeating. Everything that will happen to you this week, this month, this year, for the rest of your life will follow this template. Three words. I decided not to put them on a slide. I'm just going to have you picture them right here. The first word is opportunity. There's going to come an opportunity in your life. And by the way, it might not be a positive opportunity. It might be tomorrow morning you walk in and your boss gives you a raise. It might be you walk in tomorrow morning and your boss lets you go. Either way, it's an opportunity, an event, a circumstance, a person has been introduced into your life. On the far other side of opportunity is the outcome. There's going to be a resolution to this somehow. It's going to work out. Either your new raise will, you know, you'll be able to move into a new house or, or get a new car, whatever, or you've lost your job. Now you need to scale down and look for another job. Those opportunities can be plus or minus. The outcome will certainly happen. Between the two, is where you and I need to live, obedience. Now, here's the deal. Most of us spend most of our time 
trying to control the opportunities, trying to be the gatekeeper on what happens and what doesn't. Have you learned yet you are not in control? Let me ask that again. Have you learned yet that you are not in control? And then you get to the other side, and here's the outcomes over here. Boy, we try to manipulate and massage these things. Have you learned yet you're not in control of that either? So what we need to do is those two things, let them be. God's going to bring opportunities into your life. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the assurance that God will never introduce anything into your life that does not also carry with it the ability to make you more like Jesus Christ. And if God really has control over your life, he knows what the outcomes are. And so between the opportunity and the outcome, we let those be. The one thing we practice is right here in the middle, obedience. Being obedient to God right here, right now. Even when we're confused, even when we don't like the opportunities, even when we don't know for sure what the outcome is going to be, we practice obedience. We put our effort where it's supposed to be, and everything else, we let it be. Let's stand together, and let's pray together. So, Father, I pray over the opportunities that will happen to all of us this week, some good, some bad. I pray that we would interpret everything as being something that can make us more like Jesus Christ. I pray for the outcomes in fact, there are people right in this room right now that are dealing with things that we don't know what the next day is going to hold. Would we trust you? In those opportunities and outcomes, would we let them be? And would you help us to control the only thing we can control, our obedience to you? Help us to not follow our heart. Help us to follow your will. Help us not to do what we think is right. Help us to follow what we know to be true. And even when we're confused, and we will be, I pray that instead of asking to understand, we would trust as we let it be and as we let ourselves belong to you. It's in the name of Jesus that we offer our prayer. Amen. We'll open up our follow-up room here in just a moment, but I want to give you a chance to be in the presence of God and to worship. We introduced a song last week that we're going to sing again, and this is essentially not my will, but yours be done. This is a prayer that we hear Jesus pray in the garden, and I believe this is a prayer that Jesus heard his mother Mary pray many, many times over the years. I doubt she prayed it to a Beatles tune, but you never know. You never know for sure. But now we echo that prayer of not my will, but yours be done. So as we sing this, I pray this would be more than just words on a screen. Would you take your mind, your heart, your soul, and surrender it to the Lord? Practice that surrender right now with whatever you face or the next thing you will face. Let's let it be. Let's sing together right now. Thanks so much for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of each worship service on Sunday morning, I offer a simple blessing, and I offer that blessing to you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may God grant you peace, both now and forever. Amen.